0: Welcome to Unleashing the Champion Within with your host, Cindy Stewart. Our goal is to connect you with your best and help you live your dream and experience your passion. Each week, we'll bring you an inspiring message and give you the tools to help you release the Champion Within.
1: I just want to pray over this word. Um, so, Father, we just thank you for your word, and your word is alive. And it's living, and it's going to uh, seep into us, and it's going to explode out of us. And we are so excited to be with you, God, and you've given your very best to us. So thank you. And in our hearts, Lord, prepare us to receive it all. So good. So anyhow, I'm very, very excited. I cannot wait to share this with you. And I wanted to mention, you know, Patricia talked about our names last night. Well, when I was younger and after I got married, I dropped my last name, and I just kept my middle name because my last name had a lot of pain attached to it. So I just got rid of it, and I just thought I'm going to go Cynthia Diane Stewart, got rid of the rest. Probably about 20-plus years ago, God said, you need to go get that name back because you're missing the anointing that it carries. You're missing... the the heritage that I have for you through that name. And so I did, I went to the DMV, I got on my license, all that good stuff. Well, I never looked up what it meant. I knew what everything else meant. And last night she said, look it up. So I look up my name and it's so funny. It says, my last name was Jernigan. It says, you're honest, uh, benevolent, brilliant, and often inventive. Now, you know, most of the name things don't have this whole paragraph, but this had a whole paragraph. And it said, and I feel like this was a part of kind of my family, it said, um, you do well in positions of authority and prosper in professional fields, which is what my dad trained us up to be, and you have an eventful and exciting life. And I thought, all those years, I just pushed that aside, because instead of realizing that the name didn't bring the pain, the events around the name brought the pain. And I did feel like there's some people here and maybe some people watching online that have had that happen to them. Where they've either hated their name or they, you know, haven't uh, really grabbed a hold of the full meaning of their name. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And we're just going to restore and we're going to ask God to renew and replenish the anointing that you have on your name. So if you'll just stand real quick, that'll be great. Because God has... Your name on purpose. And he didn't create the pain around your name. And he wants to give you your name back. So that you can live the fullness that he has for you. So, Father, I just thank you that you've given us vision for this. And for every event that is attached to the pain, we just release and give to you. And we call forth an agreement with the anointing and the mantle and the meaning of our name that you have given to us. And we just uh, declare restoration, we declare renewal, and we declare an open door of agreement of where our names are going to take us. And we thank you for healing us and really giving us revelation that we need so we're able to get the fullness that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good, isn't it? It's interesting. You know, sometimes we throw out the baby with the bathwater because we don't know that the baby's the critical thing. It's the bathwater that can be changed. And we throw out our name because we've had uh, you know, the bathwater, the dirty bath water with it, and we forget that we can be cleansed and renewed through our names. So that's good. So today we're going to talk a little bit on influencing. Now, I want to know, and hopefully you still have some paper, I want to know how many of you feel like you're an influencer? Yeah. That's good. That's good. And what I'm going to ask you to do is real quick, just write as many Areas and names down that are in your sphere of influence. So just, does anybody need paper? We have paper. No? One person, yeah. And there's pens in the back. But just go ahead and write it down because there's something about getting it out of our mind onto a piece of paper that brings life, that brings power to it. And just where do you have your influence? Are there people that, that you're an influencer for? That, that when you say something, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. Because we all know that words carry power. So, and we all know that whether, when we say something, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it affects the environment around us. It affects the atmosphere. And we trust that we say good things. And that when we say things that are not so good, that quickly the Holy Spirit reminds us that there's power in our words. And we're able to clean that up really, really quick. So if you guys will go to Second um, um, Kings 5. Did you have a whole list of people? Now, what you'll see, and when you go to lunch, share it with each other. What you'll see is now that you've written it down, all of a sudden, you'll start having more people, more names. You'll realize, oh, I'm an influencer here. I'm an influencer there. When you write something down and it becomes part of your vision, part of what you see, it expands suddenly. And part of it is because you don't recognize what you're doing until you start writing it down. And then when you start writing it down, all of a sudden you realize you're doing a lot more than you realize you're even doing. Most of the time, we don't even realize the level of influence that we have. And we have great influence. No matter where we are, no matter what we do, we are people of influence. We carry the power to change the outcome for the kingdom. That was the word the Lord gave me for this year that we are called to change the outcome on his behalf. And it doesn't matter whether the person is saved or not saved. Our job is to be an influencer. Our job is to make that one little nugget of investment or seed or word, whatever it is, to change the outcome, to make sure that the kingdom is the direction it goes. And we know in work, We've been, we've been faced, I know I've been faced with different things where it wasn't really the heart of God, what they were doing. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of influence that changes the heart of men, right? So Second Kings 5, I'll get there with you. And there's one little person in here, a young girl that made all the difference. She was the domino effect. I want to be a domino effector. And when you think about it, we all are. We may not see the end of the domino, but but when we start it, it goes on and on and on. There are outcomes that we have no idea that have happened because of God. Because God used us and we obeyed what he said. Because we knew who God is, and we know what he can do. So good. God is so much fun. And to think, we get to be fun with him. We get to look back and say, wow, that really made a difference. So Naaman's the commander of the army. We're going to start in verse 2. But, you know, he has leprosy. And that's never a good thing, right? And it says um, it says the Armenians, the Syrians had gone out in a band, verse two, as raiders and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife as a servant. When they say little girl, she was probably between the age of 10 and 12. And so she's been taken captive. She says to her mistress, I wish that my master Naaman were the uh, were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would be he, he would heal him of his leprosy. Then he would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master the king. The girl who is from the land of Israel said such and such. Now think about this. Here's this young girl. She's probably between between ten and twelve, and she knows God enough to know that if her master's husband, uh, if his yeah, if her yeah master's husband she serves his wife, can go and see the prophet in Samaria, he will be healed. She didn't say, he might be healed. She didn't say, we'll see what happens. Because she had been raised hearing the word of God. In Deuteronomy, 4, it's, uh, Deuteronomy 6, it says, love the Lord with all your heart and teach it to your children. Talk about it day and night. That was the environment she grew up in. And think about it, she was very young when she got taken captive. But she knew enough to know that all he had to do was encounter the prophet of God and he would be healed. There started the domino. There started that that influence. And she had enough favor with the mistress to be able to speak that to her. So imagine what brought that kind of favor. Now, if you're taken captive at 10 or 12, you would think you're not going to be very happy about that. But obviously, she served and she served well to be able to have an ear to be able to share that with the mistress. Think about serving and serving well, especially when we're in situations that may not be our favorite. Even the line at the grocery store. Serving and serving well who God puts in front of us. And so she started the domino. And so he goes to his master, the king. And it's interesting to think he's saying, well, the girl from Israel, the young girl, says that I can get healed. So he uses his king's influence to get him in the door before the king of Israel. And you see that domino, it just keeps falling. Where he's able to... Get entry into the king of Israel. Think about your influence. And think about how much effect you have on the people around you. And how with just one word of who God is. Or even a word that God gives you in wisdom to solve a problem for your neighbor or at your business. Or at at the school your kids go to. You know, you get that word about healing for someone. That one word creates a whole domino effect that will go on and on for the kingdom. That is you influencing the kingdom of God that the outcome will look like him. What a great honor it is to be able to do that. I mean, that is a great honor to be able to do that. I can't believe it that God just, he says, here, go. Let's look at uh, verse 10. It says, Elisha sent a messenger to uh, Naaman, who had gone to the king, and the king's like, I can't do anything about this. To Naaman, he says, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you'll be clean. Now, you would think if you had leprosy, you would be jumping up and down. And he, no, he was furious. And went away and said, indeed, I thought he would at least come out and see me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand in the place of leprosy and heal the leper. You know, sometimes we just want God to perform the way we want him to perform. We're like, we just want you, God, to show up, and if you'll do this, then it'll be the way I want it, and I'll be able to receive what you have for me. And God's saying, well, if you'll do this, then you'll have even better than what you wanted Because my best is better than anything you can imagine. So if you will do what I say, I'll do even better than what you need. But of course, Naaman didn't know God. He didn't know. He might have heard stories about him or he would have never made it to Israel. But he didn't really know him. But we know him. And we are obedient lovers of God who are able to create such a domino for the kingdom that influence happens and kings' heads are turned and they don't even know what happened to them because the presence we carry, because the wisdom we carry, because we carry who we know can make a difference in their life. Come on, guys. That's really good. God has that for all of us. There's not one in here that, sa- that he says, no, nah, I'm not going to use you that way. There's not one of us in here. You can't look at the person beside you and say, well, he'll use you, but he's not going to use me. Because what that is, is that's a division between your spirit and your mind. That's a division. And Patricia talked about it last night. We have our spirit, we have our soul, and we have our body. And when there's divisiveness in there, then it's hard to be in unity. And when you believe that God will do it for the person next to you, but won't do it for you. Then there's division in your your mind. There's division in receiving what he has for you. And I know I want all that he has for me. So Naaman's in a rage. He doesn't know what to do. And he's like, can't you pick any good rivers for me? I'll do it if you go to a good river. But listen, it's so funny. You know, he he wants it his way. And we all do. How many want it their way? But how many know that we've given our way to God so he can give us his best way? It's so much fun. But in verse 13, he said, Then his servants approached him and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? Wouldn't you have done that? How much more then? When he has said you wash and be clean, how much more? So he went down and plunged himself. Can you imagine what that was like? I'm sure the whole way he's thinking, really? You know, I am a great man. And I'm about to get in some water that I don't want to get into. And he plunged himself into the Jordan seven times, just as the man of God had said. And his flesh was restored like that of a little child, and he was clean. Now that's not the end of the story. Because the influence of this little girl didn't stop there. Let's go over to uh, verse 15. He said, Then Naaman returned to the man of God, he and all the people in his group, and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So now accept a blessing and a gift from your servant. He said, I know. Now, he doesn't serve the God of Israel, but that encounter with God that started with the influence of a little girl changed his heart toward who God is, and he was able to declare before Elisha, I know, we declare, I know that Jesus lives. I know that there is no God but him. He is the only one. And Elisha says to him, as the Lord lives and before whom I stand, I will accept nothing. In verse 17, he says, well, then please let your servant be given a load of earth for a team of mules. For from this day on, your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings nor sacrifice to other gods, but only to the Lord, the God of Israel. And then he goes on to say, and when I go with my master and my master b- bows down to his idols, I have to bow because I'm serving him. But my heart will not bow to him. He is a new, clean, changed man. This, this domino of influence that starts with a little girl goes to his king, to the king of Israel, to his servants, and then back to Elisha changed his heart, and he saw who the living God was to him. And that's the kind of influence we have. We may not, like the little girl, she wasn't going on the whole journey with him. She didn't see step by step how God changed his heart from the rage he had. She didn't see step by step as his servants jumped in in the middle of it. A lot of times we don't see step by step, but we take our part, and we influence based on our part. And then God uses whoever he's going to use to keep that domino going. Because God uses each one of us. And I believe that as uh, we were talking about earlier in our women in ministry meeting, I believe that God is raising up women who we already are people of influence, right? Because we've raised up children. Some of us have raised up grandchildren. And we influence them. But I believe in this hour, God is raising us up as women who are aware of our influence. And that we see the revelation ahead of time. So we're prepared for what God has for us at the time that that influence needs to be dropped. And whether it's for our businesses. How many of you work outside the home? How many of you work inside the home? In and around. How many have grandchildren that they take care of? A lot of that. You know, how many are still raising children? So we all have such a power of influence right now. And we're raising up a generation that is going to take over the world for God. We're raising up a generation. You know, we may not see uh, what we had wanted to see in our lifetime, but we're raising up a generation that's going to raise up a generation that's going to continue this domino effect for God. And they are going to be powerful women that are raised up and they're going to be husbands and wives that work together in unity, not one better than the other, just different from the other. We're different. I'm not like my husband and he's not like me. And I'm sure there's peace in that. (laughs) But think about it. We're different for a reason. We're different because I need his wisdom to speak into me. He needs my wisdom. We need our agreement. So God is raising up families. And we know that there's been brokenness over the families. But God is saying no more. We are stopping that. And the reason I know that is because the more we see and hear in the media of what's going on and we see the statistics, the more I know God has given us a solution for them because families want to be families. Husbands and wives want to stay married. Children want parents. So it's built inside of us to want that. And what God is doing is he's raising up a company of people, a company of women that can help facilitate healing in marriages, that can help facilitate parenting in the homes, that can help facilitate grandparents to not just be spoilers, but anointers and releasers. It's amazing. I know when Brandy was talking about the kids owning the church, coming in like they own the church, were you talking about that, Brandy? About how the kids are coming in now and they've they've been around in the church long enough. Oh, it was Patricia. And the kids, oh, that's right, Jonathan's kids and all that coming in. and, And it's like they own the church. We have kids that come in and own the church. And if we're praying for someone, they don't think twice about coming up and laying hands. Because it's part of their DNA. And we're raising up a generation with a DNA that has identity in it. Identity in God, not just identity in whatever the world's saying. We're raising up a generation that's going to be able to say, I see what's going on, but just like to Naaman, if you encounter my God, everything will change, and that's what we want. We want those kids that can release the encounter of God so everything can change for the people that they engage with. We have one of our our ladies, uh, her little girl, she's an evangelist, and she just gets people saved. She's like, okay, put your head down and let's talk to Jesus about this. And she just gets them saved. I mean, I didn't learn how to do that till. I mean, think about it. If you weren't raised with that kind of uh, just being put in you, sometimes you don't know how to maneuver that. But we're raising kids with that in them. And they know how to maneuver what's coming toward them. And they don't have to worry about whether they're politically correct All they have to worry about is releasing Jesus that lives in them. And God takes care of the rest. They're our domino generation. They're the knocker overs. And we're the ones who are influencing that arena. So give yourself a big clap that God's choosing you for the kids. I'm going to talk about one other uh, place of influence. And it's your influence to God how you influence his heart and we are influencers of his heart so I want to talk about that turn to Isaiah 38 you know God loves for us to talk to him God loves for us to say hey what about this papa what do you think about this how do you want to take care of that what should we do about this? And he doesn't even mind it when we say, are you sure? He doesn't mind because then he knows that we need a little bit more revelation about it. We need a little bit more understanding. We need to pick up the word or, or have a friend call us or, or spend a little bit more time. He doesn't mind us asking because he knows that we need more when we do. When we don't ask... He tries to give it to us, but we can't receive it because we're not asking for it, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about Hezekiah. And I love this story, and I was, I've been reading through the Bible. Our church has, and I came across this in Kings because that's where I am. But then, of course, the story is also in Isaiah 38. And it says, In those days, Hezekiah, verse 1, king of Judah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet came and said to him, For the Lord says this, Set your house in order and prepare will, for you shall die, you will not live. Now that's quite a message. I mean, think about it. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. He didn't say, okay. Whatever works for God is going to work for me. He turned his face toward the wall and he prayed. And he said, please, oh Lord, please, just remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and truth with a whole heart absolutely devoted to you and have done what is good in your sight and he wept greatly. Hezekiah wept greatly. And verse 5 says, go and say to Hezekiah, he's talking to Isaiah, for the Lord, the God of David, your father, says, I have heard your prayer. God can't hear his prayer if he never ask. He can't hear our prayer if we never ask. You know, sometimes we just take it at face value. When God wants us to ask, He wants us to ask for a change in the prognosis. He wants us to ask for a change in the life of our children. He wants us to ask for a change in our jobs, in our marriages. All for Him. He wants us to ask. He's like, Be bold, ask me, Hezekiah, ask. And God said, I have heard you. I have heard you. God hears everything, but he wants us to ask. Verse 6, I mean, sorry, verse 7. This shall be a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Listen carefully. I will turn the shadow on the stairway ten steps backwards. The shadow on the stairway. And the sunlight went ten steps backwards on the stairway where he'd previously gone down. And Hezekiah begins to praise the Lord. He tells his story, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read a couple of it. Verse 15, he says, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself have done it. How many need God to do that for you? For God to release what he has for you over you now. We're going to pray about that in a minute. And he said, Oh Lord, by these things men live, and in these things is the life of my spirit. Restore to me, restore me to health, and let me live. It's interesting about those words that he said to him Restore to health is to make him healthy and strong. So he's asking the Lord, Make me healthy and strong again, restore my health completely. And to live, it means to have life live prosperously, live forever, be quickened, be alive, and restored to health. So he says, Lord, make me healthy again and make me healthy again. You know, God, just just do what you do for me because of who you are. And it's so amazing. uh, And I'm just going to bring up another scripture. We won't turn there. But, you know, Romans 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his his spirit that dwells in you. That word life is the same as the word life that Hezekiah said. He said to produce life, to restore life, to give increase of life and of spirit. You know, Hezekiah said, I want to live. And the word he used for that life isn't just make it another day or two. He meant live in health, live with a prosperous soul, live in the fullness, restore to completeness. I want the fullness that you have. And God said, okay, you ask, and I'm gonna give that to you. And what I, what I, actually, the Lord showed me this a couple days ago. And what the Lord was showing me, and Patricia touched on it last night, is, Our spirit is submitted to the Holy Spirit. When we become saved, we're saying that our spirit is with you, Holy Spirit. We're giving it all. Then our emotions, our mind, our will, and our intellect, it also has to follow our spirit, which follows the Holy Spirit. And we know that when it doesn't, then we need a little work. Sometimes we need a little inner healing. Sometimes we need to just confess and get ourselves going. But we need a little work because we want our mind. We want our will. We want our intellect to be infused with the Holy Spirit. So that when we talk and when we think about things, they are of God. They are of God. Not maybe, but they are of God. And it's that submission, it's that aligning ourselves with what is true and what is right and what God says and what his word is. But our body also has to come in there. You know, for a long time, our bodies were just throwaways because we're going to all get to heaven and get new life and all that kind of stuff. And we're just all waiting on eternity and so much for today and tomorrow. But no, God didn't give us three to discount one. I need my body. I need my body to process my food right. I need my body to go for a run. I need my body to travel and to pick up my grandkids. I mean, I need my body. But I also need my body submitted to the Word of God. I need my body, my soul, my mind, my emotions, my spirit. I need everything aligned with the Word of God. And when I was reading this Hezekiah along with Romans, I was like, when God spoke to him and said... Okay, you're gonna live 15 more years. His body didn't say, No, I'm not. His body said, I've submitted to the word of God that's just been spoken over me. His body came into alignment with what the word of God said. And some of us have these Rhema words that God has spoken over our body for healing. Some of us have these um, words that that have just been highlighted in the scripture. Some of us have Psalms 103, he he heals me, Jehovah Rapha. I mean, we have the word of God that's speaking to our body that says we are healed. And our body must align with the word of God. And I want us to press into that process of aligning our body with the word of God. And you know what I love about it? I've been healed of all kinds of things since I was a teenager when I would bend over at times my back would lock and I wouldn't be able to stand up and I wouldn't be able to stand up for a couple days till it unlocked and then someone was praying and they said I think somebody's back hurts and they're praying for a bunch of people and my back just went crazy it hurt so bad and he said be gone and my back said yes yes sir At the Word of God and I never had another problem with it. I had migraines forever and probably over the last 10 years you know with weather fluctuation we have in Florida they were terrible. I had to take painkillers and I had to take migraine medicine and it was you know when it would start I'd have to go to bed and I'd spend 24 to 48 hours and I had prayer and I had prayer and I had prayer and I wrestled with God and then one day I'm flying to Africa, and I'm getting a migraine. I said, God, this is just not going to work for me. He healed him, and I haven't had him since. And that's been over. When did I go to Africa? It's been a while. August of last year, I think. August of last year. So used to, I would not travel without my migraine medicine because I was afraid of getting a migraine. Now, I never even think about it. I never even think about it. And there's been all other kinds of things that he's healed me of. And I'm sure, if I ask, how many people have been physically healed by God? Almost everybody in this room. And I just felt like today, Brandy and I, we've been talking about this, that God's just going to do miracles this weekend. He's going to heal. He's going to resurrect our bodies to align with his word, the Rainbow word he's given us, the uh, living word he's given us, Christ in us that he's given us, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So we're going to have some time of healing. And I know that there are going to be people that say, I've been prayed for before. Because I've said it. And I'm like, I'm going to get prayed for and prayed for until I get... What the word of God says. And we're going to pray. And we believe. In fact, that happened to me with Brandy. I was in somewhere. We were somewhere. And I've been having trouble with my knee because I played this uh, pretty crashing tennis match with three other guys. And, you know, when you play with other guys, you play maybe a little bit harder than you normally would. Maybe a little bit tougher. And my knee kept swelling and it hurt really bad. And, you know, after I've been on the plane for a little bit, when I go to get up, it was really, really sore. And I asked Brandy, I said, she was telling me about how they have such a high level of healing. I said, so tell me what's the key. I want the secret, I want the recipe. I mean, I know Jesus is the recipe. She said, I just believe. That's what she said to me. And I'm like, of course, I just believe. And I went to bed that night, and I woke up that morning, and my knee was not hurting anymore. I just believe, And that's what I sense, that God is, he's in the movement of fast. You know, his vehicle, I'm not sure we could even describe it, but it's fast. And, And where we've waited, it's time to release. And where we have struggled to believe, it's time for our mind to submit to the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And where we've gotten those words of healing, it's time for our body to say, yes, sir, God, I serve the living God, and my body is completely submitted to you. And I want this healing manifested right now in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor before you go. I promise it will only take a very short time. Please head to iTunes and rate this podcast. This is huge for us in terms of improving our ranking and keeping the show visible so other people can discover it. So thank you ahead of time for helping us out. To find out more about Unleashing the Champion Within, go to our website, cindy-stuart.com. Our music today is by Alexander and the Grapes. Check out their latest release, Hypercell, on iTunes.